A hundred thousand dollars to upgrade the video system to high definition? I think not. Sebastian snorted as he crossed off yet another line item. The proposed operational budget for the new wedding chapel was ridiculous. Sebastian shook his head as he looked at the bottom line for a third time. There was no way he was approving a second budget of more than half a million dollars so the lovesick could marry in a Halloween theme of their choice, especially not after he'd already approved the first budget to get the place up and running. Julian would have to understand that this new project of his would have to operate on a more reasonable sum. That was if his playboy brother stayed in town long enough to actually have a conversation. He seemed to spend more time in Las Vegas than he did in Nocturne Falls these days. And if Julian thought he was going to get his usual salary when he wasn't putting in his usual hours, well, that was another thing they'd need to discuss. Sebastian was not about to pick up his brother Slack playing the vampire on duty for the tourists. Thankfully, one of the other vampires in town, Grayson Garrett, had been happy to fill in. Like most vampires, he was well off enough that he didn't need to work. Unlike most vampires, he had his own sort of magic that allowed him to daywalk, like all of the Ellinghams, meaning he could fill in whatever shifts necessary. Sebastian suspected the secret was an old Roma spell from Grayson's past. The Romani were a people with their own magic. Sebastian knew that much. He also knew Grayson Garrett wasn't the man's real name. But many vampires changed their names as time went on for various reasons, none of which Sebastian cared about. The man was a hard worker and readily available, unlike Julian. Sebastian ran his tongue over his fangs and went back to the budget, picking out another of the line items. Nearly 40000 alone for decor in a fourth-themed room. What kind of theme was newly wed and nearly dead anyway? Julian had clearly been swayed by Delaney and Corette on this, but Sebastian wasn't about to let his youngest brother spend like a drunken sailor because of the women in their family and their cockamamie ideas about this new venture. Huh. He crossed out the on-site photographer. There were plenty in town. If people wanted pictures of this nonsense, they could hire one of those. No need to keep one on staff. The door to his study flew open. Sir. Sebastian held up a hand. Greaves, I asked, not to be disturbed. I know, sir, but this is important. With some concern, Sebastian set his pencil down and gave his rook his full attention. The man wasn't prone to hyperbole, so if Greaves said it was important, it must be. What is it? The man paled and swallowed. I was in town getting groceries, and I stopped by the pub for a pint. You know I don't care about that. How you spend your time is your business. I know that. But while I was in the pub, I ran into someone. And, Sebastian frowned, he wanted this budget finished today, and he was not one for dramatics. Get on with it, man. The rook's lip curled, and his eyes took on the muddy haze of disgust. He cleared his throat. Evangeline is in town. Her name was enough to throw a switch inside Sebastian. Everything in him went numb, 
iced down by a chill that went soul deep. The wound inside him, the one he liked to pretend had healed, throbbed anew. And then the promise he'd made, the promise that had bound him to the woman like a ball and chain, rang in his ears. He blinked and found his voice. You must be mistaken. I spoke to her myself. It was her. Sebastian sat there, letting the information soak in. It's been nearly two hundred years since I've seen her, and over three hundred since they'd meant anything to each other, or rather, since he'd meant anything to her. Over three hundred years since she'd walked out and left him with the wrenching conclusion that he was not enough for her.